0: literally the four biggest days of traffic that the site still to this day has seen i was the four days of my life that i had no ability to check the internet there's nothing i could possibly done
1: hello jeffrey hey where's kyle this is kyle jeffrey this is back. the new Kyle. Don't um, yell into the microphone. I've been... I've been I have thought it would be fun if I tried out a new voice every week.
2: I've been binging on this show called The Adventure Zone, which is for It's three brothers and their dad playing Dungeons & Dragons on a podcast. Oh, this and, is the
1: podcast. I thought you were just mispronouncing Adventure Time.
2: No, no, no. The Adventure Zone. And it is incredible. And uh, the dungeon master in the show, at any given moment, is acting out the voices of, like different characters
1: that's kind of a dream for me i wish we had come up with that idea
2: it's so good i mean that's been going on for like two years do you think they would hire me no all right cool (laughs) who's the guest (laughs) this week uh tim urban
1: and we've actually got a special episode right this is not just your standard run-of-the-mill writers who don't write
2: podcast yeah well i mean a special episode is actually wrong because the special piece of it is that it's two episodes classic umbro well, Tim is the, the writer for Wait But Why, which is a, I guess, a science blog, but it goes into so much more than science, um, you know, philosophy, religion, ideas, growth, evolution. Uh, and the idea is basically that he will take an idea, he will completely tear it apart down to its component pieces, and then rebuild it so that it's kind of like this really aesthetically pleasing, uh, long-form article. Um that kind of challenges the way that you've been thinking about a topic for your entire life.
1: But it's also very accessible, right? I mean, when we talk about how aesthetically pleasing it is, Jeff means that it's actually drawn with stick figures uh, <laughs> yeah. in the goofiest possible <laughs> way. But what struck what strikes me still about the site is how he takes concepts like, for instance, the Fermi Paradox or however, however you actually pronounce that name and explains it in a way that everyone can understand.
2: Yeah, it's funny. He, he explains it as if it was a site that he would want to read um, if the writer had the ability to spend 40 hours writing one article.
1: He's kind of like Bill Nye for adults.
2: Uh, but in any case, we had so much material that we actually decided to try something new, and we're going to break this into two episodes. The first is being released you know, right now. You're listening to it. The second one will be out next week. Um, and let us know what you think of, of that uh, process. Um, you know, in this episode, we're going to get into you know how wait, but why it got built? Why Tim was the guy to do it? Um, you know, we're going to talk about his background a little bit. Uh, we talk a lot about bourbon, and also we're going to uh, hit on the first piece that was like a big viral hit on the website. And
1: and if you want more to do with the podcast, a good way to find it is the newsletter that we release every week on the week on Wednesday mornings. It's a good way to kill the hump day hangover. So.
2: Get involved if you can. tinyletter.com slash www.podcast. Uh, and, you know, I wanted to thank everybody on the site. Or <laughs> I wanted to thank everybody for listening. And and we wanted to just let everybody know that we don't spend a penny on advertising or marketing. So uh, if you can share this episode with a friend, ask them to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud or to the newsletter at tinyletter.com slash podcast. We would be, you know, really, really appreciative. Because quite literally, this is the only way that anybody is ever going to hear about the show. So thank you for listening, and let's get right into it. So this week on the show, I'm really excited to say that we have Tim Urban. Tim is, uh, what would you call yourself in, in on Wait But Why? Are you the head writer? or Because you, you don't really have, like, a bio.
0: Yeah, um, it's... Um There's three people involved in Weight But Why. Uh, There's uh, Andrew Andrew Finn is Uh my longtime longtime friend and business partner, and um, we started Weight But Why. But he full time runs the company that the two of us started in 2007, and I full time run Weight But Why. So he's he's more of a consult. He's in more of an a in an advisor role. He's I'm on the phone with him a lot talking about the overarching Weight But Why plan. But his time is very much uh taken by the other company so there's really two of us full-time away but why me and Alicia uh, who's in the role that I call the manager of lots of things <laughs> um basically it's just like I'm con- every every day I come with a bucket of, of random uh sometimes really hard sometimes tedious uh things and just like dump it on her head every day that's the um that's her role and to, to take everything that possibly comes her way and just do a good job with it somehow mm-hmm. um which every single second she's working is a second that i don't have to do that thing and i can set a second that i have for writing again so that's really it's really a two-person full-time team
2: and you've, I, you've actually written a lot about that um you know with, with the patreon campaign that you did you talked a lot about you know kind of what somebody in alicia's role would be doing and then you know in interviews and stuff you you've um, you're not shy to to give her all the credit that that you think she deserves
0: oh yeah i mean it's it, Total game changer having um, a really great uh, employee at Wave Hawaii. Yeah, it's it's and it's a hard it's a hard uh, role to hire for because um, the role we were trying to the very first employee in a very small company is is so uh, important. But the problem is they have to wear a ton of hats. So we needed someone who um, was uh, intelligent and uh, enough intelligent enough and understood. Uh, wait but why well enough understood the 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 think what we were going for the voice the general culture the general brand we're trying to create so understood so it's you know really high level that can that can run things and and do it in the way that we would do it but also someone who is totally cool doing uh hours of tedious work each week too stuff that needs to be done um just just you know building systems and managing them and uh being organizing everything and being incredibly organized um so it's like she's playing like you know and, and everything between so that that was hard but but um we're, we're really psyched you know so far
2: yeah i mean I've, I've corresponded with her a little bit and she's awesome she's super on top of everything yeah so um, how much yeah, of the,
1: how much of your time during the week did you get back when you hired Alicia?
0: Um, A lot because – well, let's see what happened is you you have to – you can do two things or somewhere in the middle. One thing you can do is you can say, okay, I'm still going to be doing my – everything I was doing before and now we can do 50 or 60 hours a week more stuff, all this other stuff that there was no time for. Or you can have her take a bunch of stuff off my plate so we don't do much more than we were doing but I have a lot more time. Somewhere in the middle is what what is what has been happening and and uh, I need to remember that the point was that it was so I could write not so that we could suddenly take on all these things uh so it's um there's a balance there somewhere but um but uh the 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 key is that if, if it's not someone and just because Andrew and I have hired a lot of people for our other stuff so actually this is one of the things that um we've made a lot of mistakes already we know how to do that and um and uh one of the things that we've learned is if the employee is good but you think that they're 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 not ever going to make the decisions that exactly you want or they're not they're not going to do things as well as you could if you were putting your time into it you're just not really going to trust them with anything hard anything important you're always going to be putting stuff on them that you don't care about because well and that's that's not really that it, for this role that would have that would have been a disaster because i would never have i, I just would have been um in perfectionist mode needing to do everything myself which uh you know founders of companies can get like that where they're they're it's their baby, the brand, and they don't want to ever delegate anything important to anyone, which is a great way to not ever have a chance to scale or you know maximize yourself at all. Um, so the only way, and this you know this brand is so like my baby, it's so um, something that um, I want to you know be really cautious with, and um, and so it was even more important in this case to have someone that I was like, yeah, you know, you know, if you want to, if we have this big new project, or we're designing a new site, like. You know, you don't have to run stuff by I me. Mean, let's have an initial discussion and then just, you know, make, make the call. I'm sure I would agree with it. Or, you know, and that that's also really important.
2: So can you, you know, I I actually um spent like an hour trying to write an intro for you and had a lot of trouble doing it because Wait But Why is it's a blog and it, you know, does a deep dive into all of these really, you know, fascinating subjects. Um, but it's so much more than that. And I... You know, and this is probably, you know, a deficiency on my end, but I have like a lot of trouble trying to figure out, you know, like how I would explain it to my dad or something. So, you know, what is... Oh, that is.
1: <laughs> Tim well. just tasted uh, the bourbon that we have here in the studio, by the way. Uh, it, it, is everyone lying when they say they like hard alcohol? Here's the thing. I don't think anyone's lying uh, that they like it. I just think people deal with the burn differently because it doesn't taste good. Like, it, I don't think but, there's anybody but, who picks up a glass of bourbon is like, yes.
0: I, I kind of think that people do.
1: I think they drink and they go, mm. they're like, it's like, you know what it reminds me of? So,
0: because I was always like, they, they act like they're, they're like going through a lot of, a lot mm-hmm. when they have a sip, but then they're also like, oh, that's good. And I'm like, what, what? you know, that, how does that, how, <laughs> how, you just struggled and yet you said that's good. And then I kind of realized that I started doing this thing that a friend recommended. You know, I like, you know, hot sauces and really savory things. And he was like, you, "You have to just take a swig, a plain swig of apple cider vinegar every day. It's like really Ugh. good for you." And I did it, and it is hard. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm going through a lot when I'm doing that. Yeah, but I but and I, and, I, and I make a face. I'm like, but I'm like, I also like it, and I'm like, oh, that's that's good. You know, it's like that. It's like it's like. Um,
1: Wait, wait, you say you're going through a lot, but you also say you like it. When you like it, you like the physical feeling of going through a lot, or you actually like no, the way like it's
0: it it's it's really like hard. It's a pretty upsetting experience, and yet I'm also like, oh, that is so delicious. It's it's a it's confusing. But the point is that I was like, that I think I think I know I get it now. That's what other people feel when they have the hard alcohol. They're like, Whew, and then they're like, oh, that's good. And for, I'm just taste it, and I'm like, this is this is uh, this is upsetting in every way. There's nothing. It's not like apple cider vinegar for me. It's just bad.
1: I, you know what I would suggest, and this is totally without any scientific backup whatsoever, but try a really small sip.
2: Also, what I do it's... is, you know, you, I smell it. I get my nose right in there, and I just let it sit on my tongue for like a couple seconds before mm-hmm. I swallow it. And maybe that'll make it I think worse. Part of the but... problem is that you know, if you have, um, if you traumatize
0: your brain at some point, it doesn't forget that. And so I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I when I was, um, you know ever 16 17 18 the first time like you know drinking hard alcohol and throwing up from it or whatever you know your brain learns really quickly okay this is this is poison when 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 this touches your tongue like get sick so that he doesn't do it cuz he's you know they your 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 innocent body thinks that you're it's like oh no he's making the same mistake again okay let, let's make sure it's so I, I think that's part of the problem is just the i have trauma attached to uh, the the flavor at that point. I think is that's... it bourbon
1: in particular? Or no, 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 no,
0: no. Uh, well, I mean, some is worse than others. Like like low end tequila is a just just a, a oh man a, a horrific experience.
1: It's vodka for me because vodka was the trigger in that like seventeen to 19 oh, yeah. year phase. Yeah. yeah, I
0: even can't. There's even a wine I can't have. I can't have um. Wow. I can't have uh, Sauvignon Blanc because. We always used to in college get the cheapest possible box wine, and that was always the. I was always yeah. the the wine we would get, and then I would um, and I and you know I I would say of all the times I've I've vomited from drinking too much, uh, ninety three percent of those times were freshman year of college when yeah. I was just you know suddenly you're like free and you just and um
1: you've and, gotta learn somehow,
0: yeah. That that was just I just did again and again and um. And and probably it's you know it, it was fun but it was also like the social anxiety of being you know everyone's new and it's like you don't yet know how to regulate anything and your body's like you know still really low tolerance and mm. um and so uh yeah that that uh, a lot of um so that that's not hard for me to drink too I I do want to be the I do want to be a person who drinks scotch like I like the um aesthetic a lot mm. of like having a uh, you know I have a glass of scotch and I'm sitting there on my couch and I'm I'm a writer it's like it seems great so I yes. so I bought. Lagavulin, which is really <laughs> yeah. fancy scotch, sixteen. Because because if I like you know I when I, I I like spicy bloody marys I like you know really dark rich coffee if I want any kind of I want IPA beer so if I'm gonna have scotch the the, the really not sweet really strong kind actually sounds good the best like the PD kind of like oh, a yeah. campfire and and it is in theory I, I actually get excited thinking about it then I pour a glass of it you know and I have a sip and I'm like oh, that is kind of good I think I think I think i I think I, I, I can I can Force myself to like this, and then yet I just will I just will procrastinate on drinking it, and it'll it'll not go down at all. Then I'll pour it back in the bottle at the end of the night. The one little shot that I had, so that's the situation here. But anyway, the fact that you guys put a lot of ice in this is help hugely helpful. It makes yeah. it like one third as bad.
2: You can also pour a little water in there too. No, 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 no. no come
0: on, this is already <laughs> <laughs>
1: it'll it'll be water before long. I mean, yeah. honestly, so I poured that glass, and it's because I know as a person who drinks a lot of scotch myself. It's not a typically enjoyable experience for most of it. And what changed it for me, honestly, what changed it was the small sips. You take a small sip because even if it tastes bad and it burns, good scotch tends not to burn as much. And if you take a small sip, you taste more of it. Or at least I do because I think my tongue has been burned over many years of coffee and impatience. But – that's what changed it for me a little bit was yeah. taking smaller sips.
0: I think if, I, if I'm going to try to enjoy it, that's the way to do it. What yeah. I normally do is I just say – because I like being buzzed. I, I like the effects of alcohol. So what I would normally do is I would just make myself like a if – if I just wanted to have a buzz and there was hard alcohol and that was the option, I would um, – yeah, I would just pour myself like a disgustingly stiff – uh, vodka soda. Oh yeah, With not even no ice in it. Just like and just oh. and just chug, <laughs> and if you just chug, you, can, you barely can taste it, and then like it all hits you after, and you you go through a lot for ten seconds, and then you're like, okay,
2: I'm here, and now. I'm done. I did my okay. time, I did I my chore, and now I can enjoy myself. Um, so. Well, so all right, so you know, outside of promoting binge drinking and everything, um, yeah, you were asking a question. Well, no, no, no. I was just going to say that you know what you just explained is is kind of what Wait But Why is all about. You know, you do like a really deep dive into a subject that most people know or think that they have like a really strong opinion about already. Um And you kind of like go into the background and try and challenge, you know, the the reason and the logic between, uh, you know, why I think this and why I should maybe think something else. Um, so is that kind of how you would explain Wait But Why? If you had to describe it to someone cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 tr- I have to describe
0: it cold all the time and I also have no idea how to do it. It's not – um, because I don't want you, know, if you do it wrong, you either undersell it and, you know, or you oversell it and you, you're a jackass. So it's like, you can, um, like, um, if, uh, if, if I'm underselling it, I would say, you know, like I'm a blogger, you know, I write, I write blog posts about a bunch of different things and people assume I'm writing these, you know, a two paragraph thing. I'm writing about the latest Apple rumors. I'm right. You know, the they, blogger has a connotation, like it's going to be, uh, you know, practical and, and kind of, um. And and not not really you know low quality writing and it's just something you know you you, you read because you're interested in the topic so that, I feel like that's underselling it uh, and then. Um and you know, I just if I say if I you know if I'm at a party and someone says what do you do and I say well I'm a blogger they they're immediately trying to get out of the conversation <laughs> they're just they're just like ooh, how do I of course I you know my just you know typical me I end up like talking to the blogger at the party um but then you know you can oversell it and you can be like you know I you know I try to I try to come up with philosophies on life and it's just like well come on you know let, let's just chill for a second it's like um you know that's that that is uh that that if someone said that to me I'm picturing um I'm picturing something that is. Uh, a, a bit more highbrow and a bit grander and w- written by someone who knows more about life than I do. Um, and uh, and so I, I don't want to do that either. So it's I, I think that if I had to describe it, um, if I had to describe, like, the common theme on the blog through the different posts, because, you know, the topics really, really range from all, the, you know, all different kinds of things, anything that I think could be a good blog post. Um, but one thing that I, you know, my uh, approach to each topic... Um, whether it's what's going on in a certain country, whether it's uh, how, something, how something mechanical works, whether it's why humans uh, are insecure about a certain type of thing or, or irrational about something else or why some part of our social uh, structure is funny and ridiculous. In whatever it is, I'm, my approach is going to be um, – is going to look at it through the lens of um, let me step out of the, the haze that we're all in when we're just used to all this stuff. And try to imagine looking at it as someone from a different planet who's just cu- trying to come down and kind of say, "What is this species? What do they do? What's going on here?" And uh, and and that's the question: What's what's really going on here? Uh, whatever it is, To take a big step back and look at it and say, "What's what's really going on here?" And um, and so. Th- so it's so it's a you know it's the, the theme would be curiosity and then trying to get to the bottom of things, trying to find the truth in something uh, in a way that can make all of us, uh, including myself, less in a delusional haze than we normally are about um, about that topic because it's it's often – it's not that there's some there's some truth that's really brilliant there that we need to find. It's that it, the truth is actually normal and fairly obvious and the problem is we're just not looking at it with that lens very often. We're often we're – we're, we're rarely looking at it um, for what it actually is. We're looking at it for what – uh we biologically are, are inclined to think it is or what our society has always told us it is or what what we just would you know uh, you know so that i think that that's kind of the the unifying theme
2: i would say that that's pretty accurate and i also want to say that going onto the website itself is kind of like you know going to a playground um, I mean if you go and just poke <clears throat> around then you're just going to like have some random like blog catch your eye and you're going to go and read it and you're going to click on all the little footnotes that you put in there and you're going to poke around the site and end up reading 20 articles before you're done and these are not short articles so you know you have ruined several of my work days good um, good and, uh, I mean it's it's just I don't think there's many websites out there that you know are kind of that, that achieve what you achieve, of you know, the rarest of, of things on the Internet um, where, you know, it's both original, educational and fun. Um, so, I mean, I encourage everybody listening to check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, but before we get into some of the topics that you've covered, I kind of wanted to hear from you, you know, like where all of this came from. Like, you know, what's Tim's story from, you know, middle school to today? Um you know, why Why and how did you end up where you're at? Um, so,
0: yeah, I'm from outside of Boston, from um, a suburb, Newton, that mm-hmm. has um, uh, it's a pretty big suburb, 100,000 people, pretty diverse suburb, uh, both ethnically, socioeconomically. Um, and uh, I went to the biggest of the two big public schools there. So, um, uh it was interesting because it's like on one hand, Newton's kind of fancy. It has like definitely lots of huge houses and you know lots of very well off people, lots of lawyers and doctors. Um, but it also has whole, you know, you know, large communities of uh middle class people, lower middle class people, and and all of them together send their kids to the same big public school. Um, which makes for a pretty interesting place. Uh mm-hmm. not always a comfortable place, like, you know, and but 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 definitely um I think in a lot of ways a place that uh that uh, mirrors is a little microcosm of the real world, which I think is great. I mean, you're about to be in the real world your whole life. So why, you know, the, the concept of sheltering yourself, sheltering yourself in a bubble during your formative years, and then being, having the world sprung on you where you have two options to either continuing to always shelter yourself and be around a certain type of person, uh, or to be less good at interacting with everyone. Um, and, uh, and so I think I think it's great even though again it's it's you know it it it, it there's tension there was you know there's definitely uh you know the, the school itself definitely had um uh they're, they're, you know awkwardly so there's 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 a lot of like uh wealthy um protestants like in a certain area and it's like wealthy wealthiest Jews in another area and then there's like um uh a, 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 there's a whole Large community of, um, uh, of I would say you know lower middle class Italian families, um, and then there's um, uh, in Newton North, which is the school I went to. There's a uh, there's a program called the Metco program, which um, which brings, uh, I don't even know exactly how many, but brings uh, um, a lot of um, inner city students who are um, definitely not wealthy into the school. Uh, you also have the something called the EdCO program, which bring which is one of the best you know programs for the hearing impaired. So you have hmm. all of these students with sign language, and all the classes have um, all the classes have uh, an interpreter and 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 so again, there's something really great about this because in a lot of ways, as I said, you just uh, you are less sheltered. you're um, I think more open minded coming out of this school as that uh, than you would be. Um, I think on the other hand, you know, you, it, 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 it's a microcosm of the real world, including a lot of the bad things uh, in that, you know, I just the, – the way that the, we have this big hallway and there's um, – it ends up segregating itself in a kind of uh, um, uh, unfortunate and awkward way um, where you do end up having, you know, ethnicities in the same groups together hanging out and it's just kind of like um, – it's not as it's not like a utopia that we would all like it to be of this purely uh diverse you know environment um and and but I would say overall, it's a good thing anyway, so that that's the 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 suburb I'm from and the the world I grew up in there. Um, and the the school is fairly fairly like jockish. It's like you know there there's a big theater program and there's it's still pretty diverse in a lot of things, but the the thing to be the thing that's cool there is definitely. Uh, sports and not some, you know, it's not like a fancy New York private school where it's like, you know, know, all these people like engage, you know, trying to dig into their talents. And it's not really like that. It's much more of a traditional kind of like, you know, school that would have a lot of the same values as like a a school in uh, the 50s somewhere. Um, And so uh, I think a lot of what I'm good at, I wasn't really able to dig into Mm -hmm. until I got to college more. Um, And even really then. Uh, just because I was, then I didn't dig into anything because I was just lazy. Um, but, uh, or, you know, I, I I had not at all built up, uh, I had not at all built an internal structure uh, of self discipline uh, because high school did it for me with the deadlines because I, I did have uh, this kind of perfectionist, competitive obsession with doing well in high school. I like, once I, if I'd started out doing really badly freshman year, I think I would have just done badly the whole time, because I would have said, okay, well, this is not going to be perfect now, so what's the point, which is what I do all the time. It's either one or the other. My inbox is either has you know, 1,300 messages or zero at any given time, and so um, fortunately or unfortunately, however, you know, you want to look at the long, long-term picture, I, I ended up doing well enough that I started to become obsessed with the mission of like doing as well as possible, um, but I was being run by deadlines and by this external mission that was very clear, beginning, middle, and end, very clear uh, goals. And structure and walls to work within um and so i got to college um which was harvard and uh you know it's, it's if you especially if you don't necessarily need your college grades plus i was so burnt out by the mission to get into harvard that once i got there um i just and now i had no parents even no, no i didn't even know what my grades were were and it was the thing where i st- and so i start. I started out doing badly because mm-hmm. it's all – it's not even, you know, on these little assignments, they don't hold your hands through big projects. You just hand them in on the due date. There's no um, – well, now on this day, you know, so it was a total – like all these deficiencies suddenly rose to the surface in me, and my first semester grades were just super mediocre. And at Harvard, like the worst you can do is basically getting Bs. Like that's like the worst grades that they give there essentially. So I was not a good student, and I um, – and uh, and so – I, the other thing, where I, so then I started looking at my GPA and I said, well, now now this is great. So now I'm going to start working. and I'm starting in a hole, like well, you know. And then I, and then of course, then you know, I don't know. I don't, it's like a chicken and egg. The, the storyline that I don't need my grades because I don't want to do anything anyway after school that involves grades come first, or did the bad grades come first and then the justification and the life plan shaped around this? It's, I don't know. It's hard to know like what, what was going in my head when I was um, when I was 18. But I very quickly formed this storyline that uh, I want to do all kinds of things. In my life, none of which involve doing well here. And I think probably had a little bit of panic in the background being like, OK, you, you're saying that, but you don't know <laughs> what you want to do. And now you're closing these doors, which you've never done before. You've always had every opportunity you ever could possibly have. Um, you've, you know, you, I, 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 it's weird that I'm actually going to have situations where I'm now going to uh, not be able to do stuff uh, that, you know, certain things. Um, But either way, that that kind of those kind of things can define you. They can define your path and then you latch on and then your ego and your identity starts attaching to those things. And before you know it, that is who you are. And it's hard to figure out, you know, often sometimes who you end up being, and who you're so sure you've always been actually started because you like some opportunity closed. You lost confidence somewhere that you could do something. So you quickly started telling yourself you don't want to do it anyway. But I think a lot of us end up on um, with identities and life paths that don't necessarily start as as core to us as we think they do. Um, but for me, I started thinking, okay, I want to do something creative. And for me, it was, um, I, I, I think entrepreneurship was interesting. You know, looking back, I, 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 it, I, I always think that I, it wasn't interesting. I always think it was just creativity. But then I, I think back to these moments when I had a conversation with someone and I'm like, I was talking about starting businesses when I was 18 and 19. So I was interested at some point in that it wasn't so crystal clear, but by the end it had, it, it, it crystallized itself into, I want to do music. I want to write music, but I didn't. Want to? I, I didn't think I was a good singer. So I didn't really want to write lyrics because who want to write lyrics for some other singer? That's weird. Um, so it kind of, to me, I was like, well, what can I do if someone who doesn't want to sing but I want to write... I, I played the piano and I wanted to compose. Uh, what are careers? Well, there's you could write musicals. So I'd move to New York and write musicals. Or I could do movie scores. To me, those were two careers that you could do as a composer um, who doesn't want to like be on a stage singing. Um, and so I had a conversation with this one guy who... My mom's doctor knew him and said he went to Harvard and he's into music. So she set me up to talk to him. He was in L.A. writing film scores. And he basically presented this. He's like, you know, you can do two things. You can, you know, he kind of presented those two things to me. And um, I don't know when, I don't know why, but I made the decision to move to L.A. to do movie scores. And, again, it's one of those things that I probably just – on my bed one day when I'm, you know, 21, sitting there in in my dorm bed on a phone with him – just have a thought. and I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes a little more sense. And I, I'll do that. Or I'll read some article. And just these little tiny moments end up like defining your entire life because you end up going one way in the fork or the other. And you always feel like, oh, well, I can switch next year. But 10 years later, you're like, yeah, well, that's I'm now where I am because of that decision on that bed that day. 21-year-old Tim who didn't know anything about himself or the world yet. So um, I moved to L.A. after college uh, to write movie scores. And um, I... Uh, all the same deficiencies, which had reared their head in college, uh, they were still definitely definitely uh, active. In fact, they were even worse because at least in college, I still – look, I wasn't a disaster student because I always I always still got things in on mm-hmm. time, and they were decent. You know, I, 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 it, I, I, my grades were okay. You know, I was fine. I wasn't like a – you know, I wasn't a disaster. The school wasn't like worried about me or like bringing me into like – you know, I, it was, I was just like a medi- mediocre student there. Um, suddenly I'm in L.A. and there's no structure and it's in and it's a career that is, you know, there's no walls. There's no structure. It's just uh, you're supposed to start getting out and going to social things and meeting the right people and writing and writing for a bunch of, you know, students, student films and just for free. You're writing everything you can for free. You're just getting your stuff out there, um, which I now know um, it's it's. It sounds so, like, hopeless and icky at the time. You're like, what, this student thing is going to lead to something? This is so, like, depressing. I'm so far away. I was too aware that if I ever made it in that career, I'd look back at this and be like, oh, my God. That was, I had no idea. I was, like, so not going anywhere then lucky that it turned out this way. I'm like, oh, shit. I don't want to – it was upsetting that I was in that – I knew I was in that situation. That the later me would be like, oh, I'm so happy I'm not that guy. So, um, I uh, – so what I did is, typical, like, procrastinator is – um, I started macro procrastinating on. I mean, I would I, I would procrastinate on anything. To, I would do a student film, and again, I I you know when I would come out with this, this is what I'm probably still best at in the world would be writing like a score like a you know a good score to a film of some kind. Um, She's wrote a score for our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> the thing is, though, this is exactly the kind of thing that I will because I'm a perfectionist, and being perfectionist with music is the worst thing. You can there's no right or wrong answers. You can always make it a little better. You can get better till it's as good as Mozart, or uh-huh. you can. So there's no there's never a time when you feel like this is perfect, and you can go in any direction, and, and it's just you know, it's it's impossible to make progress if you have a perfectionist personality. So you would say that, and then I would start working on it, and I would not want to send anything that wasn't amazingly good in my opinion. <laughs> And so I would just never send you anything. And you'd be waiting, and then I'd be your email about, hey, any 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 progress on that score would be the worst email, and I would just sit there in my inbox,
1: and I would be dreading getting back to you. We might both win, though, because then we could always say that, hey, Tim Urban is writing the score for this podcast right now as we speak, and it would always be true yeah, until we'll you actually go for it. something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> say that then. Uh, listen. It's <laughs> a, it's on the way. It's on the way right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. he's working on it. Yeah. That's it. It's, it's yeah. done.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, it's uh, – I guess we can get to this in a little bit, but, I mean, do you feel that in your writing as well? Like, do you have that perfectionist streak?
0: Yes, um, I definitely do. But um, for some reason, it's not as big a problem. And I think it's because um, I don't... Like music is d- dearer to my heart than writing, mm-hmm. so I'm kind of like I don't think of myself as a great writer. I think of myself as like a pretty good writer, and I have a unique voice, and it's like fun, and it's 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 fine, and it's one of the many things that makes up a post. Is my writing is also all the structure, and there's also the research, and there's also the drawings, and um, and so I'm kind of like yeah, I'll write. It's one of the things I'm doing here on this post, but. Um, and, I, you know, if I start an intro to a new post, there's always, you know, I try to be creative with the intros. You can do that a hundred different ways. Sometimes I'll start an intro one way with some story and another, like, I'll just wipe it out and do something totally different. But I don't like agonize. I'm not like, oh, is this the best possible intro. Now, if I write a book, I'm going to have a problem because I'm going to definitely, gonna be this is the one intro for my one book. Um, and so I, I'm worried about myself there. But with a blog post, I'm like, yeah, this works. This works. Yeah. And it's unique. If you're trying to get ship creative stuff, you have to have the yeah, this works. You have to have that's the only way to do stuff. And with music, I just I have such high expectations for myself, and I don't want anyone to hear a B plus version of what I think I can do, and think that's what I can do. And I don't want myself to be putting that stuff out there. So um, for some reason, for that reason, I think writing is easier. Especially, you know, once you start a blog and now especially, you know, the first one is harder. Once you have a bunch of posts, it becomes easier and easier. because You're like, I'm not proving my whole self in this one post. I'm just tacking on to a sculpture that I'm – a long-term sculpture I'm building of a bunch of these posts all tacked on to this thing. And um, so all of those things are really helpful for the uh, for the for the perfectionist brain. Um, and but, – but, uh, but film scoring was a, was a real uh, – and now if I would gotten some momentum – Things Could have started to change because then I would have started doing a had more deadlines, which was really critical for me. And when I have a deadline, I end up often staying up all night the night before, but then I end up you know, something really good comes out because it has to.
2: So, did you uh, you know, do any scores? Like, do you have an IMDb page?
0: Uh, no, but I did a bunch of um, I did you know, I say a bunch, I I, I definitely signed, I, I definitely talked to a bunch of directors, and I probably scored. Three or four short things, okay. um, and uh, and th- then I um I, I later uh, talked to a friend who was like, oh, you know, because I'd done I'd, I'd sent him some of my like piano recordings, and he was like, oh, I need to send this stuff to my friend who is the assistant for Glenn Ballard, who's a big producer. Um, like pop producer he's done like Aerosmith and he did Alanis Morissette's like big first album and um love that album. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah pill, and He was a right? key was the co-writer of that too. So I think he wrote a lot of those songs. Everyone everyone assumes that's all her, but I think he 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 was a big part of the writing of that.
1: He is my hero cuz that is the first CD I ever it's bought. It's an extremely good album. Oh my god, it was yeah. so good. Yeah. Are you first CD I ever bought. And this that's probably the first time I have admitted that in public. Well, it's I embarrassing was, uh, for guys to like that yeah. too much. But I was fine with it. it. it well, I mean it, it,
2: everyone yeah. has an embarrassing for. What's your first CD? Oh,
0: uh, I, the, I had the gr- Beach Boys' greatest hits. Oh, that's uh, not bad. Oh, uh, it's pretty embarrassing. Is it really? Um, Are they like
1: some of the greatest songwriters of all time? Yeah, but no,
0: they, I'm obsessed with them. But yeah. if, but if you listen to the greatest hits, a lot of the songs I liked were these like really melodramatic, like <laughs> like love songs, and I was obsessed with them. Yeah, oh, I loved man. every single song on that
1: CD. Yeah. Um, how could you not though? Oh, I, so good.
2: I, I got the Bohr Soundtrack. Because of Ghetto Superstar, yeah, the Bullworth. Oh, Sound that's pretty, so, yeah, I don't even think I've ever seen the movie. I just bought. That's the soundtrack. pretty bad. Um, that's pretty bad. But anyway, you you're, <laughs> you're out there, and uh, you're you're you know scoring a limited amount of films um, because of your perfectionism streak, Um and, and it's
0: crushing me inside. I'm like so unhappy. And when I was 23, I was just, it'd be 2 p.m. I'll be sitting there in my underwear, not having done anything that day. You know, days and weeks are just passing. I'm not making progress on my career. Um, and, uh, it, yeah, it was pretty agonizing. And So what would you do? Well, so I had a part-time job because I had to pay the bills. Uh-huh. So that, you know, if I had some pressure, I started to make things happen. But I hadn't, you know, there was no external pressure on the film scoring career. Um, my side job was um, tutoring. You know, which was I tutored in high school. It's a natural match for me. It's something I'm good at. I like working with students. I like mentoring people. I like explaining things. Um, and it pays really well. And you're not exhausted. It's not like being – I was a waiter in college and I would be exhausted at the end of that. This is – you know, you can't – this didn't sap my energy that badly. Um, and uh, it, it was a perfect job. It's a way you can work 10, 12 hours a week and pay all your bills. Um Uh, And you can bunch those hours whenever you want. You can say, I work, I I tutor on Fridays and Sundays. I mean, it's really an incredible side job if it's something, you know, you can do well for like a 23-year-old trying to do something creative in L.A. Um, And and because of that, I was not the only one with this idea. But I was really a go-getter about it. And I went out and I met a bunch of people and I I did what I should have been doing with the film scoring career. I was being the go-getter with the wrong thing. I was being the go-getter with the tutoring. And I went and I, what I should have done is if I could advise myself, I would say, don't Put your ambition towards this. You're going to start something good and then you're going to put time into it. Go work for a tutoring company. Yes, it's frustrating that they make two-thirds of the money and you're doing all the work, but that's okay. Like, it's good. Like, don't do anything that actually has meaning to you. Do something that pays the bills. You have to work a little more. But I knew that I could – if I just – I knew it was the chump thing to do. I knew I could just – do a little work, figure out how to get my own students and make three times the money, which equals three, you know, one third of the hours, ideally. That was my justification. I'll do one third of the hours. Of course, I didn't. I ended up doing as many hours and making three times the money that money I didn't even need at the time. Um, and what happened is uh, I started tutoring more and more and more and more and more students came my way. And, um, and then I started to... The light bulbs started to go on. I had all these other friends that also were, you know moving out to LA to do something in the in the arts. And I kind of said, okay, I can hire them and uh, basically now I can be on the other side. So the, the worst thing was to be the tutor for the company because then they get two thirds of the money you're doing all the work. The second the, the medium thing was to tutor, which means you're getting all the money and doing all the work. And the best thing is to hire people to tutor, which means you're getting two-thirds of the money doing none of the work. So that hit me. I was like, well, this is obvious. <laughs> it was like playing fantasy fantasy football. It was, yeah. like a, it was like a game. And I was like, okay, cool. So now I'm going to start hiring people. And it was this little matrix. And I teamed up with a woman who had everything I didn't have in L.A., which is she was a retired school administrator. And she was now tutoring herself. And it was um, – uh, she was the – you know, she had all these connections. She had all of this – she had this network, and she had – she was already doing her, you know, what's called educational therapy, which is, you know, for students with, uh, you know, learning differences of some kind. And she um, – so she would send – so so then we teamed up basically. And I was like, you bring in all the students, and I'll hire all these tutors. And it was beautiful. It really worked. Um, and it grew, and I hired more tutors. And, you know, three years later, I made – very little progress in my music career, and I had forty tutors working for me, and uh, we had an office, and um, I, you know, we were running a business, and it was people in my life were like, "That's awesome!" When I'm sitting there being like, "No, it's not. This is not the plan. Why am I doing this? I'm spending all my time on this. Um, I all, but I, but I also wasn't really digging in and saying, "I'm going to start reading all these books on business. I'm going to how do we scale this? Let's start hiring full time employees. Let's like you know build this." I wasn't, but was in I, spite almost. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was out of procrastination. Yeah. Like you know, the same way people productively, but they'll clean their whole apartment when they're supposed to do something else. This was a big version of that. I was, yeah. but um, but but again, I wasn't. But it's not like I was. That was gratifying because I wasn't getting. I wasn't digging, sinking my teeth into business either. So I was like doing what I needed to do to run this thing. And and if, as it grew, you know, organically, because I was hiring really smart people to tutor who were really likable. It's not that hard once you start getting. And I had this woman sending students. It's not that hard a formula. Um, so I, I wasn't really putting my all into that, but it was still growing. Uh, and I wasn't doing anything with music or doing very little. And then I did – so then the Glenn Ballard thing happened, which is, you know, again, another huge opportunity. came my way. Um, and instead of taking – you know, I should have he, – he was like, oh, I can't get – you know, so basically I went in and I played the piano for him. I just played. He just said, you know, I said, play, play for me. I played for 10 minutes for him. And he said, I uh, love it. Thank you. You know, a lot of original stuff going on here. I would love to do, like, an album with you. Total dream come true. You know, everything I, – I was like, oh my God, I'm going to end up sideways going back into the music career. And, like, this is better than film scoring. I can't believe this is happening. Um, and, um, and I, you know, and then he was like, I can't get you in the studio for the next, you know, two months or whatever. Should have gone home and written and written and written and obsessed over not, you know, wasting this opportunity. And instead I just couldn't get, you know, every, I would be the plan, but every day I'd sit down and I wouldn't be able to, uh, really, I would just, I, I, I wouldn't, I would say I'm going to keep writing, write later today, later today or tomorrow. And I just, I just wouldn't do it again. Perfectionism it was, I was, was so daunting. I have to write the best stuff in my life. Disaster. So I ended up showing up to him with a bunch, a bunch of my old stuff. I'd written years ago. A lot of it in college, just while while I was playing the piano. Which because by the, by the way, then I was writing music all the time because I wasn't supposed to be doing it. I was supposed to be doing school, and I was procrastinating on that by playing the piano constantly, writing all this good stuff, but not my best stuff. I knew I could do better. You know, no one no one at the age of twenty six wants to be thinks their stuff that they wrote at twenty is good anymore. So, but I went in and basically did versions of those things uh, with some some newer stuff. And uh, again, I was furious at myself, but you know, but he he was still produced it, and I think it's actually pretty good. But it wasn't my best, and because it wasn't my best, I didn't even want to push it, I didn't want to promote it. Uh, so we did this album, and I still have this Glenn Ballard album, but I just never, I never tried to run with it because I was like, this isn't my best, and it was just all my bad qualities like ruining this opportunity for me. Uh, While well, meanwhile, I focused on the business.
2: Where and is that album? Is, can I get uh, it on like yeah. iTunes? Is it, if, it still you out Googled there? Google
0: the Tim Urban album or Tim? No, no, actually, that won't happen because this fucking. Uh, 20 year old handsome 20 year old went on American Idol named Tim Urban <laughs> oh yes I found him
1: in a Google search actually I root- rooted so hard against him going far <laughs> I, didn't want him.
0: I said every week he stays on uh, he I, my life is being permanently ruined more as this guy becomes my name forever uh, and he made it. And he was, you know, he he wasn't even supposed to make it on. And then, you know, he didn't make it to the final twenty-four. And then one of the final twenty-four has like a legal dispute with them. They kicked him out, and he was the alternate they brought in. I could not believe it. Um, oh, of all, and then he and then he he got torn apart by Simon Cowell the first week, thinking, okay, he's done. But then it's all this sympathy because he got torn apart so hard that they started people liked him, so that he got ended up as the top seven in the top seven horrible. Anyways, it yeah, really de- destroying he, your SEO. He's an extremely nice person, so I feel bad because I just uh he he seems like the nicest guy in the world, but um yeah, destroying my SEO forever. Um but um just well, lived it just best for a life. couple yeah. years.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh yeah. So so you start this tutoring company and you're doing really really well. Yeah. And uh you started with Andrew, right? No, so I started it
0: with this woman. Okay. Um and again, and it was So it, where does Andrew come in? So this is now now 2007 um and uh and Andrew moves to L.A. to start something with another friend. Uh, and I was like, cool, you moved to L.A., you know. And and he's staying on my couch for like eight months because he's <laughs> cheap, because he has no job yet. Um, and so, you know, but we're all, we've are we been friends since we were five. We're best friends. So, you know, it was fun. You know, I would talk to him about my business and we would talk about his. And we started talking about business all the time. And we kind of were suddenly talking about business ideas. And, uh, and then one day, we kind of – the light bulb went on. We're like, why don't we – why don't you come in? You know, buy into this company that I already have, and why don't we do it really right? That would be really fun. And he was like, "Yeah, let's do it." Like it's, I, it's like we already have a foundation. We already have students coming in. We already have. It's a perfect, you know, city to do this in. And, um, we have this this woman Carolyn, who's you know so such a valuable asset and. He said, okay, so we did that. So suddenly we're partners. And Carolyn, you know, we wanted to be way more ambitious than she did. And she kind of said, this doesn't make sense. You know, now that you guys are trying to really build it, why don't I, why don't I become, like, an advisor and, and retain, um, you know, some of the, you know, um, you know, profit sharing for the students she brings. And it was perfect. So now suddenly it's, and, you know, really fun. I'm working with my best friend. A little part of me is still saying this is not right. This is not while you're getting deeper into the thing you're not supposed to be doing. But it was really fun to work with Andrew. Uh, and it was, like, exciting. We're like, okay, we can make this thing big. This is cool. So we started hiring full-time employees. Andrew's a really good business person. He's, you know, um, he's always been, you know, when I was thinking about music and my creative stuff, he was always thinking about business. So it, he had, he brought a lot of things to the table I didn't have. And, um, and so for between 2007 and 2013, we... You know, built the company probably to be about ten si- ten times the size it was wow. when I stopped. What's the name of this company, by the way? It's called Arbor
1: Bridge. Arbor Bridge. It
0: wasn't them. We've changed the name since. Um, and focus the change. Focus has changed from in home tutoring to online tutoring, from academic subject to test prep, from U.S. students to a lot, largely international students who want to go to college in the U.S. So we've we've evolved it as as we've gone. But um, yeah, it's good. It's a good company. Um, and it just it doesn't happen to be what I want to be doing with my <laughs> with my life, unfortunately. Because if I if I did it, would be perfect. Um, and meanwhile, I also started a blog, and I started that uh, on the side as a perfect procrastination tool. Um, I started that in 2005, and between 2005 and 2011, for about six years, I wrote 300 blog posts, not, not nearly as long as Wait But Why, but, but sometimes pretty long. Um, and that was actually you – know, you know, at the time, it felt like a fun hobby, procrastination. Um, and, uh, there were some readers, you know, it didn't blow up or anything, but you know, there may be a thousand, a few hundred thousand readers that, you know, came throughout the month each month and, um, you know, posts would have 10 comments on them. Something had a little thing.
2: I actually, I went and looked at it and I was shocked at how similar it looked to, I mean, the design was, you know, it was late 2000s design, but, um, but I was shocked at like how similar the content looked to what you what you're doing today.
0: Yeah, because it's just it's just that's just an earlier version of. Yeah, it's like the beta. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I evolved my voice, but it it wasn't the very first post I wrote. It wasn't that different in the voice because the voice was always it was easy from the very beginning. I had nothing to lose. This was not I wasn't trying. The key is I was prolifically, you know, I wrote all the time and I and I had no fear. And I did wasn't a perfectionist. I just wrote and published it because uh, because I wasn't I didn't care about it. It was just for fun, and it was on the side, and I was procrastinating, so I was really productive there, just like I wrote a ton of music in college. Um, So now that was the thing I was really putting my time into, uh, all my side time, and it's because I still was, even though I was working with Andrew, I still wasn't, you know, saying, okay, this is, I'm going to do this for the next 30 years. Let me dig in and learn about business. I wasn't, I never did that. I still haven't done that, Um, and uh, so I started blogging like crazy, but I never took it that seriously because my, it was always music was still the thing. Um, but, uh, but partially that's, you know, I, I still would say music is probably one notch closer to my heart than writing, but it's pretty, pretty Mm -hmm. close at this point. They both feel very, very true to me. Um, and 2013 rolls around and we kind of, I, I kind of said, um, uh, Andrew knew that I was very, very not, uh, into running, you know, the tutoring company forever. And we're always looking for other weird business opportunities and we like working together. So we kind of came up with the idea, look, why don't, why don't I start a content site? Because the idea was, you know, it was, I was working on, a, oh, I was also working on a musical. I, started, I joined a program <laughs> called, yeah, this is, this is my whole 10 years after college. I could not, I could not focus on anything. I was doing a million things. I, but I, I, I moved, when I moved to New York, I, I applied for this program this called the BMI uh, Musical Theater Workshop. Um, and you know, they, they have ten, no, they, 10 or 15 composers and 10 or 15 lyricists every year uh, get into the program. And uh, they match, you know, you get, you ma- they match up with different people and you end up finding someone that makes sense. And you, these are how teams form. The, the Avenue Q team formed in BMI and then the guy went on to do Book of Mormon and Frozen and all that. Um, and uh, Next to Normal is another big musical that formed there. So it's, you know, it's, it's an exciting place. And I learned a ton about musicals. And this felt very potentially true to me. Um, and I started working on a musical with a friend who was also in the program, and we were about an act in when I started Wait But Why. But that's still something I want to finish at some point. Like, but when I talked to Andrew, I had not i stopped blogging two years earlier because the BMI program, the musical, had taken up that time. And, you know, I talked to Andrew. I was like, I want to do something creative, but, you know, we, we also wanted to still work together. And... And the company also the, part of it is that the company didn't really need both of us. We now had a nice staff. We had a, you know a couple people, especially this one woman, Kate, who was just a star. Like you know we you know just got lucky, and she was running the company, and she's just the best. Um, and we said you know we don't really need both of us. We you know it's nice to have both of us, but we don't need it right now. So I said okay, this let me um let's let's think about this. And a musical is just not a good business. He was like you know I, my, that's not like an exciting venture. And so if you're gonna do that, you can do that. But you know that's gonna be your own thing. And that made sense and And on the other hand, like the blog that that I had stopped two years ago was interesting because it was like there's not that much great content out there. Um, there's all kinds of articles floating around the Facebook news feeds, but very few of them are um, are really you know are really, really awesome. And when they are, they get they make the round. people forward them. so it was kind of this premise that uh, there's a lot of pretty good content out there, but if some it, it, when there's something great, it, it ends up making the rounds, what if I? Uh, spent 60 hours on every article I mean I think at the time we thought it would be more like 20 and it ended up being even more but that's the idea it's like you no, know, what, what happens and, and and I think the original plan was you know we, we didn't have an, a concrete plan but it was like you know start it and then hire a bunch of writers um, over time and I'll start it because I can start it for free um, and, uh, and I would continue to be a writer though while we managed it um, and I could do what I wanted to do but also it's, it's a potentially exciting business venture um, and so it made sense and so we uh, I, I 2000 you know summer 2013 i i you know i you know, launched uh Wait, But why built the really really low grade site on my own and figured out how to like put the social buttons on and all that um, and started writing and um, that was the uh, yeah that, that was the beginning and Uh, What it is now, we didn't know. I knew I was going to probably do stick drawings because the last like five posts on underneath the turban, my old blog, I had started that. Because we had that we do online tutoring. So we had these graphics tablets that we use that students, the tutors use to like Mm -hmm. draw on the screen when they're they're doing remote tutoring. So that was sitting around. So I tried it and I did it and it was really fun. I was like, oh, this is like so much. This is like such a good addition to blog posts. And it was like, you know, and so when I came back to us, I need to bring those drawings into this too. So I, we knew it was going to be kind of long, thorough um, posts. We did not know how long at all. Uh, but, you know, thorough posts, you know, written for smart people, but with a sense of humor, you know, nothing too serious. And topics would jump around. And it, so we, it was, we had that idea. Um, and, um, yeah, it launched in
2: the summer of thirteen. So this is waitbutwhy.com. Um, it launched in the summer of 2013. And, uh You know, because, you know, I I mentioned before, it was kind of difficult to kind of come up with a summization of what the site is. Uh, Kyle and I picked out maybe half a dozen of the posts that we thought were, you know, kind of the most um, promising and effective for what you're trying to do. And the first of those posts was one that I really wanted to bring up. And it was the first time that I had ever seen the site. And I feel like this is the case for a lot of people. Um, But you actually wrote a post about millennials. And this was in... Was it June of twenty thirteen?
0: No. The site started in July. Okay. And this was September. That okay.
2: So pretty soon after. And I think and I read somewhere that um basically you wrote a piece all about um generation Y yuppies, which you know you define as anybody born in like the late seventies to uh the late end 80s. of the eighties. Yeah. And which actually includes the three of us in this room right here. Um but you wrote. I would say it's like the mid '90s, even. Okay. So the generational gap has stretched. But,
0: but, but, yeah. but yeah, it's it's people who are currently, um, you know, t- 22 to 35, about.
2: And and what what was the post about? Um, well,
0: so the the idea for the post was, you know, I tutored a lot of students who are that exact. I mean, I we we are in that uh, that age range. I'm 34, so I, I'm yeah. like an old millennial, but I. I I, I'm a I'm I'm in that you count I'm in that spiritually yeah. Yeah, so yeah. so I know what it feels like because I'm one of them I, I also know, I know all my friends are one of them and then I have two younger sisters who are you know, born in eighty seven and eighty nine so they're square in the middle so I know them and I know their friends uh, then I tutored a trillion kids in L A even mm-hmm. until you know Andrew and I started I was you know, even a year into that I was tutoring a lot also um, I tutored you know a hundred hundreds of students. Um, some of them, you know, for, for many, many, you know, for multiple years. And I got to know them really well. So I really saw millennial strife up close in many different ways. And I so I had a lot of thoughts on this that had built up and decided to kind of and – I, and I kind of realized one day, wow, there's so many reasons. This is such a perfect storm of unhappiness. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it kind of hit me. I was like, wow. But, yeah, that is – they really are like just they, – they're, they're in the – exact wrong they're the wrong generation in the wrong place at the wrong time and this is just going to be a storm of unhappiness so decided to write about it and so i spent you know three days just brainstorming and thinking of all the thoughts i had and trying to the hard part is you know i knew all the thoughts ahead of time but the hard part is what's the what's the structure here what is it Mm -hmm. is it is it 10 things about millennials or is it um you know uh me walking through um all the reasons millennials were ha- unhappy, and I ended up kind of coming to three major things, and I ended up deciding to frame it as a almost like a children's story about this millennial. That was like what I, that was the end of the three days. That's where I was. So I invented a, car- a millennial named Lucy, uh-huh. and I basically told about why she was unhappy, and um, and I and I, I boiled down that the, what started as probably fifteen reasons I thought to like three categories of reasons, uh, and so the first reason was um, that. Uh, millennials have really high expectations for themselves and their career um, and that's partially and I think there's this pattern for a lot of the like privileged, uh, that's why I use the word yuppies in the title even though it kind of like isn't awkward makes it an awkward title because it's important to make it clear, I'm not talking about every person in their 20s, um, there are people in their 20s all around the world and many of them are, are you know, have nothing to do with what I'm talking about mm-hmm. here, this is a very specific, um, I think Probably largely, well, I don't know if it's Western world. I think actually we got a lot of emails from like India and other places. I think it it, it is a, maybe a worldwide phenomenon, but it's among people who um, they grew up. It's 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 the 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 profile I'm talking about. The grandparents um, often fought in in World War II or the, or the Great Depression. These are these are grandparents that went through a hard time. A lot mm-hmm. of them were immigrants to the U.S. If they were in the U.S. or you know they were persecuted. Their parents were persecuted, um, and they just. Wanted to raise their kids to have a happy life, and they wanted their kids to be able to go to college, and they wanted, you know, their kids to be able to um, be comfortable and not to have financial stress and not to, you know, lose their job. Like they, you know, so so they raised the baby boomers uh, to to want prosperity, and that's an ambitious goal for sure. Most people in the world cannot achieve that, but. It happens to be that if you were born in 19, you know, late 40s or early 50s in the U.S. and you were, you know, you worked hard, it it wasn't that hard to be prosperous. It was hard, but like, you know, it was a great time because it was a a great economy. Uh, U.S. was just a booming nation and um, a lot of baby boomers did really well. Uh, and, you know, at least at least they did well enough to have a two story house and send their kids to college. And even if the kids need financial aid, you know, they could go to a good college and they could they could um, they, they were able to the, the kids grew up thinking, you know, not having not in a house of financial stress. They grew up with what they what they needed. So when the but, our, but the baby boomers grew up thinking, wow, one day, what if I can have my own big house like that was such a dream? So uh, the premise of the post is that expectations minus reality is what turns into your happiness. So it's just if, you're, if you end up – with your reality ends up better than your expectations, you end up happier – or you end, mm-hmm. up, you end up happy. If it ends up worse than your expectations, then you end up unhappy. So for the baby boomers, like it just – what they wanted, they got it. So they were happy. But, you know, what happens is then we grew up with that and we think, well, yeah, I, I don't want to just have a job I don't really like in order to have like a nice house. That, that's not enough. Um I already I grew up with that, and I't I, I want more than that in life. So we grew up thinking, you know, we still want it to be well off and we, we don't want to be financially stressed out, but we also want to be um, uh, we also want to be fulfilled in a way that our parents didn't think about. They just thought, hey, you know I'm, i I have a job that's with a big paycheck. um and so their expectations are high. but then the second factor is that they have a, they're they're a bit delusional because of the culture and this is you know a cliche thing about them but it comes from a real place the culture of everyone is special of you know uh, these baby boomer parents telling the kids you can do anything you want um, you're unique you're special which is nice cuz all those things are true but it's painting we're only one side of the story mm-hmm. and it's and it's not stressing hard work it's not stressing a lot of these things it's stressing you know you're you're going to be you're going to be amazing so um, so they you know, this people grow up the millennials grow up in a world where they think uh, I want to be fulfilled and I, you know maybe other people can't but I'm you know everyone everyone should be fulfilled and I'm going to be really fulfilled so that is you're really asking for it now then you have the, uh, the 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 third factor so so then then well then you have the real world you know the the that Lucy enters the real world with all these expectations and shocker, actually the world's really hard and careers are really, really hard, especially in a recession. Um, And so she's very, she's likely to be doing okay If your expectations are in the right place, she's like, "Yeah, I'm 25. Of course, I'm like, you know, you know, living with three other people and you know, trying to make ends meet and you know, pouring coffee for someone because that's what a 25 year old is." She's not thinking that, you know, she's expecting to be just doing special things right away. So uh, she comes out and just gets crushed by the world and is so disappointed because she's expected so much more. And then the final thing is that in the Facebook world. Everyone image crafts. Everyone, you know, is, is a lot of image crafting going on. People may put presenting a version of their lives that is much better and more uh, uh, looks more successful and happier than it actually is. So mm-hmm. she thinks that everyone else is doing really well, and you know, it's all about comparison. You know, if yeah. you think that you know, it's about how you're well, you're doing relatively. And then that so, compounds her feeling
2: exactly. So, in this post came out, and I don't even think the word viral does it justice because this was kind of the perfect storm. I mean, it was shared, it was picked up by the Huffington Post, it was shared I think and correct me if I'm wrong, 800,000 times.
0: Yeah, more than that. More than that.
2: <laughs> it, yeah, it was it was it was crazy. Yeah, and it was read, you know, I think I saw you, you say you said in a product on interview about a month ago that it was, you know, read by 20 million people. Um, and I mean, this and your newsletter went in in four days from three hundred subscribers to thirty thousand subscribers, yeah. and I mean this kind of exploded. And and actually, the, again, this is the first thing that I ever read from your site. And I mean, I have to admit, I was I was I think twenty five at the time, and I was not happy. Um, yeah, like I it, this like really
1: well. It's like as a as a fellow millennial who read this as my first experience with wait, but why, and also coming off of I think what what struck me about it is that. I mean, even at the place that I work now, people mock millennials all the time. I get shit for it just on the basis of the premise that we're all entitled assholes and we think we deserve a lot more than we should actually get. Um, So it was hard to see it crystallized here. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting to hear you say that it's not directed towards the majority of millennials or maybe not just all of them. There is a segment that you were actually targeting, and it's the yuppies. Yeah, Yeah,
0: I I think if you go to Missouri and you find – a 25 year old working at a diner who expects to work at a diner for the next 20 years, and 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 he enjoys his life. I'm not talking about him. Yeah. I, I'm not talking about a 25 year old in Nigeria. I'm not talking about all kinds of. I'm talking about a very specific demographic uh-huh. of people who grew up p- fairly privileged, especially yeah. in comparison to the rest of the world. Um, that's what I'm talking about.
1: What yeah. about those kids, though? What ab- so? And this is this is not a gripe I have with you personally. It's just. Uh, it's sort of a societal thing. It's in the perfect storm of a recession, stagnant growth in wages, and a housing market that just completely collapsed. What about the people who went to college for a very specific reason? People, let's use journalism, for example, a profession the bottom fell right out of as we were graduating, Jeff and I from Ithaca, who went to school for journalism and then found themselves in an unlivable market where the wages don't support the amount of debt you've taken on to go to the college of your choice, where even if you work hard there's a good chance that you can't get out from under the debt you find yourself in now. Cuz that that to me is the it's sort of the distance between the two ideas of like the entitled yuppie who is very much ahead of themselves in where they think the world should be and how they should be treated within it. And then there's the people who are struggling under the student loan debt which has ballooned to, you know, historic proportions. Who, for all intents and purposes, you know, work their way into college. Maybe they work during college, uh, but now find themselves in an economy that most of the world was not prepared for and without many options. Like they can't even discharge the debt anymore because it's, a, you know, yeah. it stays.
0: Yeah, no, that's I mean, I guess p- part of the tone of the article was I mean, was I, I wasn't necessarily saying, like, look at these brats. I was I was saying, look at these unhappy people for so many reasons. Like, yeah. that's what I'm saying. When I was realizing the perfect storm, I wasn't saying, like, oh, these horrible people are unhappy. I was saying, um, oh, shit, these perfectly innocent people, because of X, Y, Z, A, B, and C, are definitely going to just be, like, an un- a fairly unhappy generation. <laughs> um, and so I, I think um, – I think, of course, like the economy plays a big role. Now, not to minimize the economy mm-hmm. aspect of it. That's obviously critically important when you're coming out of college, especially if you're in debt. But for me, I think there's just two sides of that, in that there's always a lot of pros and cons of being young at any time. And there's a very obvious one uh, in 2009, 2010, 2011, which, of course, is the economy, Um but first of all, a lot of the people who I'm talking about, they went through their twenties before, like like me, went before the economy crashed. So it's so so that's only first of all, you know, talking about people who uh, were um, were 22 in 2008 and younger. Okay, so um, so those are people who are you know that that that's the the, the younger half of these people. So that's mm. still a lot of people. But the so but but I guess one one at least one. Um, Other fact about that that situation is just that, you know, you also can, you know, become, for example, with journalism, to use that as an example. So, sure, you might be applying to jobs, but actually all the companies that you want to apply to are laying people off. Um, And uh, people are canceling newspaper subscriptions and buying fewer books and et cetera, et cetera. So it seems terrible. On the other hand, uh, you know what you can do in 2010, 2016 that you couldn't do – in 1970, is you can start a blog, and reach people directly. So I just think that there, there's a lot of things, a lot of huge advantages in this world too. Uh, now, granted, you're in debt though because you had a plan, and the world changed. So that that yes, that is a fact. But you know what? I just think like there's also, for example, opportunities to um, start weird businesses online. Think <laughs> you can you know you can be an entrepreneur. You can figure out ways to generate money and using the internet and and the connectivity of the current world and the, um, in, 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 you have to get more creative, but if you mm. get creative, I think that, that the, the opportunities that are here, that weren't there in 1970, if not outweigh, at least, you know, somewhat cancel out the fact that a lot of the traditional opportunities were in the shit. Mm. Um, so I just don't, I don't buy that as a, no, they're not like, they're, you know, the, that's the only real reason. I'm like, no, there's a lot of reasons. And the truth is like, you know, if you have to talk about the economy, you have to also talk about, well, so, you know, now you have to get more creative. You can't, you know, you're, you have to adjust your old plan. Yes. Mm-hmm. But if you can do that, then I don't have that much sympathy because I'm like, well, there's, a, you know, okay, get creative and figure it out because now there's a hundred other ways to make money.
2: I mean, I do have to say, I, I reread it for the first time last night. Yeah. Uh, three years later. And I was equipped with a little bit more perspective, um, and I was able to look at it in you know a different light. And you know I see why your arguments made sense then and and do now. Um, and you know I was just kind of a little you know I was I was, yeah, I I was a shitty kid a few years ago. It it, it, it doesn't.
1: It it doesn't feel like salt in the wound as much as it used to. Yeah. Well, um, and of course the the perspective bore itself out time and again. You know, I have I think we all have those friends who are privileged and make nothing of it and do a lot of complaining about things like the economy. Yeah. As the excuse for why they are still currently unemployed, um, there are well, people who coast.
0: Part of the message was not, I mean I, again it wasn't necessarily supposed to be. The message wasn't necessarily supposed to be like um, a criticism, a total criticism of Gen Y, because first of all, a lot of people—I was anonymous, and people thought I was a baby boomer being condescending, so they got really angry. Then they found out I was their age, <laughs> um, but so it wasn't. Again, I'm—I'm I'm, I'm part of this. Mm-hmm. I went through all this, and I'm sitting there in LA with this great life. I'm yeah. like able to start a business if I want. I like can tutor, and people are—you know—there's still it was still a lot of good things. I'm still unhappy, and I'm saying something's wrong there. I have like the best life in, in relatively, and um, and so that's part of it but also um, I think uh, I, I think you know the message also wasn't like you should change entirely I actually at the end of the article I kind of said so I don't I think a lot of what Gen Y is really great. I think Gen Y is actually a really great generation. It's going to do really great things in a lot of ways because they expect a lot of themselves. They have high standards. I think it's great that they're ambitious. I think that this world has so much possible opportunity. So I think that Gen Y should stay ambitious. I would. It would actually be really, really sad if if Gen Y stopped saying, "Okay, well, I'm not going to try to do that much." It's more that they have to just, ex- you know, chill a little bit, be patient, and accept that like it's not, you know, it's not just the economy. It's like it. It doesn't matter how talented you are. It's people start to succeed often in their thirties. Yeah. Sometimes even in the late 30s and their 40s they really take off. People who are 25, 26, 27 are very rarely doing success, successful stuff even if they're awesome people who end up talk to the, the you know your, your heroes who are in their 50s and how many what were they doing at 25? First of all, they often were doing something totally different than what they ended up doing. Mm. They, they they were just confused. They probably were. And secondly, they they were very, very likely not doing much yet. I mean, once you have the outliers, but – so that was the other message. It was just like you guys are fine. It's going to be fine, and it, you guys are awesome. You're going to be awesome, but just, just be patient and don't, like, be so on – you know, get your expectations in a more
2: uh, – realistic place everything's gonna be okay yeah (laughs) well i I think i think the big thing for me in you know the three-year span is that i met a lot of the people that i think you were talking about and i was able to really notice that and and, you know perceive it differently Um, but you know you mentioned a couple of the reaction pieces you know to this article and uh, people were mad yeah Yeah. no they were (laughs) not happy Um, but you were in north korea yes during all of this yes that was for another piece that you were writing
0: Literally the four biggest days of traffic that the site still to this day has seen. I was the four days of my life that I had no ability to check the internet. There's no, it's nothing I could possibly done to see. So I was just – I had to literally – this I was like – it was just starting to blow up when I went to the airport uh, in Beijing to go to North Korea. And I had to close the laptop and say I – I have no idea what's going to happen. How it is, ner- but I'm not here. And all these emails that? are coming, Huffington and post people <laughs> like that, are you know, emailing saying, can we repost this for the first time? So Andrew's in this shit trying to take, you know, trying to deal with this all on his end. Um, and, and I yeah, I, and I came out and I could not believe how many email subscribers we suddenly had. I mean, this was like, such a shock! It was just a total unexpected. So
2: for four days, you literally had no idea what happened.
0: It, it, there could have, 9/11 could have happened again, yeah. and I would not have. There's no no one would have. I wouldn't have known. There was no no connection with the outside world when you're touring you, North
1: Korea. Do you think it was better off because you didn't have to deal with all the responses? And no, the responses that's to the, the dream when you start a blog,
0: <laughs> and it happened, and I couldn't enjoy it. I When I came out, it was fun, but I was like, the whole point is, you know, that the 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 you know, it's like it's like you know, when you're if you're you're a little league or you dream of like being in the World Series and hitting a home run, if you start a blog like this is the this is you know that's I mean, the goal. Yeah, I mean now it's less the goal because you know for a lot of reasons you know. But but then it was like I just wanted the people to notice the blog, mm-hmm. and um, you hope that you can write that. I was trying to go viral more then than I am now. Uh, but you're you know the goal you know a lot of the, a lot of the goal then was to do something that can take off and it worked and I was in North Korea.
1: That is not the end of Tim's episode. There's at least one more coming where he talks about more things related to Wait But Why and a story that you won't believe until you hear it. That's audio clickbait for you.
2: Yeah, no, seriously, it's a great story. Um, he also is going to talk to us about like his travel blogs, more Wait But Why, Elon Musk, his TED Talk. Um, if you like what we've done with the podcast so far, subscribe to the newsletter,
1: check out the ideas we have, and communicate to us. We like to hear from you. We want to know who you want us to talk to,
2: what you want us to do with it, so check and- it out. And the beauty with the newsletter, if you subscribe this week at tinyletter.com slash WWDW podcast, is that you'll get a reminder in your inbox for next week when Tim is back on the show. Also, Kyle, I have something to admit to you. I had Shake Shack with Victoria last week.
1: Oh, you scoundrel. Jeff told me like two weeks ago that he hadn't had fast food since that Twitter poll we ran where 24 people responded and told him that fast food is in fact the same thing as Shake Shack. Well,
2: it was true when I told you that. Uh, I, I just got this with her on like Thursday or something. Yeah, you're
1: not lying to me. You're lying to you, Jeff. I went five months. It's impressive. It's impressive.
2: Also, I didn't really see any difference at all in not eating fast food. Well, I,
1: I think it's the rest of your life that contributes to that. But, oh, yeah. You know, that's something it, we could get into in a later episode. It's
2: horrible. Yeah. Anyway, tune in next week and we'll see you all then. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, and also, the music that you hear at the top and the bottom of the show is Ryan Dan from Holland Patent Public Library, who you can, you, you can find online at hollandpatentpubliclibrary.com. You can also find us online at www.podcast.com on SoundCloud, iTunes, and wherever else you can possibly type on a social media platform.